First Timothy chapter two, verse number nine, and it reads as follows. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh the woman professing godliness with good works. Let's pray before we get into today's verses. Dear God, thank you for your word, the Bible, that we have it to study and learn from. Thank you for this church that we have to worship and honor and glorify you. Thank you for this congregation that we have that loves you. Thank you for our events coming up, like the math camp, we have a chance to serve you. Be with us now as we come to you with an open heart to hear your word. And this whole congregation, this whole church may be spoken at all the churches, all the speakers right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So this continues a, uh, today's message continues a little bit of a theme that I do sometimes. When I hear Melvin say something or Nathan say something, I say, oh, that's an interesting thought. I want to do a message on it, right? <laughs> so Melvin recently has been speaking a little bit about or mentioned just in passing in like a sentence or two about, you know, oh, certain things that you should wear or not wear. This is how you should dress for church or not dress for church. And it got me thinking. Number one, well, I've never spoken on this subject before. Number two, well, what does the Bible have to say about this? We've heard Melvin say this many times. He said it just in casual passing, right? And I was wondering, well, what can we draw from God's word? And what can we learn from God's word talking about this stuff, about Christian dress and attire and apparel and things like that? I'll give you a shortcut to the conclusion. Obviously, all the stuff that Melvin was saying in the previous weeks during Sunday school is all right. I'm not going to say anything different and say that, no, he's wrong and whatever. But a few interesting things that I discovered as I was looking at it, as I was researching this, as I was looking at it, that I think is worth sharing with all of you about this, these general principles about how Christians should adorn themselves. How Christians should adorn themselves. So interesting way of looking at it, not just what do you wear. Right? Because what do you think about when you think about the stereotypical, oh, this is what we talk about, Christians getting dressed or dressing for church or whatever like that. You hear, like, for example, this phrase, like people say, oh, well, you just wear your, quote, Sunday best, end quote, right? And, you know, here's a picture on your handout, right? When you Google Sunday best, you come up with a picture like that, right? That's a Sunday best, theoretically, in, uh, in uh, pop culture in what we generally think of and remember. But did you know, did you know that Sunday best actually is not a Bible idea? Nowhere in the Bible does it say, thou shalt wear your very finest clothes before God or whatever when you worship on Sunday. In fact, for most of human history, for most of the church history, people just simply could not, did not wear their Sunday best. They could not wear their Sunday best for the simple reason that they didn't have that many clothes, right? If you lived in the Middle Ages and you were some farmer living on some swamp, off some swamp land, you don't have 10 outfits. You don't have things that you change all the time or whatever, or different outfits I wear. This one I wear to church, this one I wear to the market. No, you're a farmer, you're poor. Your clothes are whatever you made and you live with it, right? It wasn't until the 1800s actually, not till the 1800s, where this became an idea. Right, where, oh, we dress up, just like in this picture, right? We wear our fanciest clothes and we go to church, right? That was, uh, that's actually a fairly modern idea, right? It's actually a modern idea. It's not actually required, right? And in some ways, we would say it'd be very strange if we took this to the most literal sense today, which is what I thought about it. For example, if we did come dressed just like this, 
Wouldn't it be weird that we showed up in church with our best flower hat and, you know, a suit with the, the, the boutonnieres and, you know, all these things like that. Uh, large dresses. It's actually not what the Bible requires. And we can look around the audience today. And, I've, and, I, and caveat, when I say anything today about dress, I'm definitely not judging anybody or saying anything about anyone. But like I said, we look around today, no one is dressed like the people in the picture. I'm not dressed like the people in the picture. You guys aren't, right? We're not wearing these things, right? The second thing we hear about, and Melvin talked about this briefly, or he mentioned in one sentence, is that, oh, as we dress for our church, we don't follow the worldly trends, right? Worldly trends. And Melvin gave the example last time of, oh, we don't wear, like, ripped jeans. It's a new trend nowadays. Ripped jeans is a trend. We don't follow the trend. We wear something better than that, right? And this is, this is true, obviously, right? And Melvin says it's not true, that the Bible does teach separation from the world, right? Romans 12, 2, be not and be not conformed to this world, the Bible says, right? Just because the world is doing something doesn't mean we have to be exactly the same as everything going on to the world. Yet, though, and this is, I think, another thing that we might not think about as much, we know this, that we still live in the world and interact with the world. And even though we're not slaves to the world and try to conform to the world 100%, it still affects us. And it does affect our dress. So it's not accurate to say that, oh, we never follow what the world's trends are, right? Because otherwise, we never change what we wear, right? Here's the other picture on the back, right? This is what they wore in Paul's day, right? When they went to church. Are you saying we need to wear this? We don't follow the world's trend. This is what Paul wore. Should we wear what they wore to church right now? If you showed up with your toga and your sandals, how would you feel like? It would be pretty ridiculous, right? Even this picture from the 1800s would look pretty ridiculous today if you showed up wearing all those outfits, the 1800s outfits. Even something as recently as, let's say, the 1960s, right? You've seen it on TV and movies. The 1960s, gentlemen wore hats all the time, right? Women wore hats and gloves and different, completely different fashion styles. Well, how come we didn't stick to that? Well, we do change. We do follow what is with the world somewhat. How do we come to that conclusion? When did we decide that, all right, we don't need to wear the toga and robes like Paul anymore? When did we come to the conclusion that, okay, not every man needs to wear a hat like they did in the 1960s anymore, right? Yet some of these things we don't follow, right? When we decided, oh, it's still not good to wear right now the modern trend of the ripped jeans or whatever. Where do we come to that conclusion? How do we figure that out? That's what we'll look at today a little bit, right? See, what are the principles that God sets forth? And we'll find out that these principles actually have nothing to do with how we dress, but more about how we're supposed to be as Christians. And that's why we look at it today. So what does the Bible say about it? Well, first, I'll say this. There are a few absolutes. Before we get into the verses today and what I'm saying about all these things, about the impact on our lives and how it expresses our Christian faith, there are a few, few certain things which we're going to say are just, you know, simply, okay, this is what God said. It's written clearly in the Bible. We're not going to think too much about it after that, right? Number one, God does not condone nakedness. And we know that ever since the time of Adam and Eve, right? So we know we live in the Bay Area. You guys are in the Berkeley, right? You've seen the naked people running around the street. Doesn't it 
take me much to explain or say much about that. But even in this area, I don't think there's ever a time, there will never be a time, God made it clear in the Bible, there's never a time where just going around naked is a-okay, right? So that's one that are true absolutes, right, when it comes to dress. The one true absolute is you need dress, right? You need something, right? Can't run around naked. You're not naked man in Berkeley, right? Number two, number two, where we'll say is an absolute and doesn't need to uh, need further, much further explanation, and we won't go into too much today, is that God does not condone cross-dressing, right? We read in Deuteronomy 22.5, it reads, The woman shall not wear that which pertains unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do are an abomination to the Lord thy God. And I think this, I think God puts out this rule, again, not just to enforce a dress code, but I think this has a lot to do with sexual sin, right? When we look into the homosexual community, the transgender community, a big thing about them and what they do is cross-dressing, right? I think that's one of the reasons God speaks against it for that association, right? Not because, oh, I just want it to look like this and I think you guys should wear this, but because he wants us to avoid sin, right? There's a reason God says all this. It's not just a random rule, right? Now, when it comes to this, I'm sure some people will say this, uh, ask questions, and we'll, we'll try to get into some of the, uh, the gray areas and thoughts in this. And, you know, my answer is the same thing as we just talked about a minute ago. We're talking about the changing styles, the changing ideas. Because some people would say, like, oh, does this mean a woman should not ever wear pants, right? Because some people take it literally and say, oh, well, men wear pants, therefore women should never wear pants. And my answer is this. We looked at the picture of the Romans on the back. Are any of these people in the back wearing pants? The answer, none of them wore pants, right? In fact, at the time Paul wrote this, pants did not exist, right? So it's not true that pants is something the only men wear, right? In fact, we know today women wear pants, men wear pants. It's a new fashion thing that's part of our culture that's evolved, that we use the principles that we'll be talking about in just a second to guide us in making the decision. So it's not about being dogmatic. It's not about being, oh, we come up with the dress code somewhere. It's about seeing what God wants us to present ourselves like. So he has some general guidance. We read in 1 Timothy chapter 2 over here, some guidance he gives to the women of the church. The women of the church, right? We read in uh, 1 Timothy 2.9, it says that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Similarly, Peter writes kind of the same thing about adornment. Who's in 1 Peter 3.3, 3, it says, Who's adorning? Let it not be that of outward adorning, of plating the hair, and of wear, or of wearing gold, or of putting on apparel. So even though Peter and Paul write about women, after looking at it, I think some of these principles apply to both men and women, that we can learn from one of these things. And the big principle I want to talk to you today about, and maybe it's a word you haven't heard about, is the word adornment. It's not a word we use very much, right? You usually talk about, well, what do you wear, right? How do you get dressed? What's your clothes? But this word adornment is the word that God used in the Bible. And the fact that God uses in the Bible, I think, has significance. It's not just used only by Paul, right? Peter used that same word, adorn. We're going to talk a little about today what it means to adorn ourselves for God. First, the context. Some of you guys know the book of Timothy, right, was written 
to Timothy about the problems in his church, about how he's supposed to be a leader, to guide the elders and the deacons. It has a lot of that kind of background when you read the whole book of 1 Timothy, right? You guys have heard that before. It's one of the pastoral epistles, right? And the whole idea when Paul writes to Timothy about all this is to draw that church closer, right, to this idea of the centrality of worship, right? To get this church in the right place for worshiping God, to have the right leaders to guide the church in worshiping God, to have the right deacons to help the church worship God, to get the people in the right frame of mind to worship God. That's kind of the theme. If we had to do the theme of 1 Timothy, that's what it would be like. So, in talking about this, it's interesting that one of the things that Paul brings up is clothing. So evidently, somehow, some way, the clothing of the church that Timothy was at was messing that up. That there had to be a reason he writes about this, right? That something was wrong with the clothing. It was such a big problem that he even needed to write this in this letter. So what was that problem? What do we learn from it? Well, Paul wanted... And, God, and by extension, God wanted, he wanted the women of that church, and I think the people of that church, to adorn themselves correctly. To adorn themselves correctly. So what does that word mean? I've said it many times already today. Adorn. Adorn means to arrange, to put in order, to make ready. Right? That's the way we would get dressed in the morning, right? You adorn yourselves. Right? You arrange your clothes. You put them in the right order. Right? You put your t-shirt underneath your outer shirt. Right? You put your pants on. You put your shirt on. Or you, know, or you put your shoes on. You put your socks on first. Put your shoes on. There's an order. You make yourself ready. You get out the door. Right? When it comes to worship, when it comes to worshiping God, there's also an order, an arrangement, a preparation. Paul wrote this to encourage the people of the church to show up properly arranged, so to speak, right? To show up arranged. And when you show up arranged, it's not just your clothing. It's about your whole life, top to bottom, to adorn yourself, to be ready for church. Not just in clothing, but in your demeanor, your attitudes, your actions. Sure, he mentions that, oh, this is how these people are dressing wrong, and we'll read about that later on in a few minutes, right? But the idea is that, not that just that they're dressing wrong, but that the underlying idea behind how they're dressing, their underlying attitudes, their thought process is wrong. And we need to correct that attitude, that thought process, and instead, when we show up to church, when we show up to worship, we adorn ourselves the right way. We arrange ourselves the right way in thought, in mind, in spirit. We adorn ourselves both on the outside, with our clothes, and on the inside, in our heart. That might be actually the more important adornment than anything we might, not, we might wear on the external. Now, the verses do mention specific do's and don'ts, right? There's certain do's and don'ts that he mentions. 
We read in verse number nine, what did the people do here at uh, Timothy's church, right? That people had what? Had braided hair, gold, pearls, costly array, right? The people at that church, some of the women there, decided to take literally what people would say now, wear your Sunday vest, right? To the most logical extreme, right? They would say, we're going to dress up to beyond the nines, dress to the nines, dress to the tens, right? We're going to wear our fanciest, gaudiest things, right? Do an uh, extremely fancy hairdo. Wear all of our gold and pearls, right? You would say, isn't that what some people would say today, that you wear your best for God? Well, no, not exactly, right? These are elaborate dress that these women put together. Why so? Why are they doing this? Well, you got to think about the context, again, historically. Remember, this is 2,000 years ago. As I said earlier in this message, you know, 1,000 years ago, people are poor. How many clothes do they have? They have like one outfit, two outfits, and that's about it. If you were rich enough to have a fancy Sunday dress, if you're rich enough to have gold, gold is rare. Even today, gold is rare, right? How much, how much gold does each of us have? Not that much, right? If you have gold and pearls and fancy dress, that would be shocking to some of these people in the early Jerusalem church. Wouldn't it be? The early church? It would be shocking. You'd be like so rich. You stroll in the church and people would look at you and be like, wow, we're all wearing our dirty farmer clothes or whatever, our shepherd clothes. And this person has like the equivalent of a million dollar dress, right? It's got gold and pearls and all this stuff. Why would someone do that? Is someone doing that for God's glory? Or is it for their own? Right? It's for their own self-centeredness. To draw attention for themselves. Their preparation is not a preparation to worship God on Sunday. Their preparation is as if this is like some kind of fashion show or whatever. To show off. To give ourselves with the, 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 the greatest look and the greatest uh, outfit. To aggrandize myself. That's why it's not about, not about dressing necessarily our best. You know, I'll be honest, this is not like my... Uh, not the fanciest suit in the world, the one I'm wearing now. There's people that wear like $10,000 suits, $20,000 suits. That's a lot better. Should I go out there and buy a $20,000 suit so I can really wear my best to Sunday, to Sunday for church? No, I don't think that's what God expects from us, right? And that would be a waste. That would be just calling attention and say, look at me. I've got the fanciest, designerist suit, right? It's just like uh, women. Like women, are you guys going to dress like you guys are going to the Oscars? Would someone walk in here like in one of the fancy dress that some celebrity would wear, wearing like a $20,000 diamond necklace and four inch high heels and uh, flowing gowns that drags over the floor? No one wears that. None of you guys are wearing that right now. This is not the Oscars. This is not uh, whatever. That's not what worship should be about. Worship is not about ourselves. It's not about attracting attentions to ourselves. The way we adorn ourselves for worship is to attract attention to our character. To get our character 
in order. The outside is simply a representation of how we've gotten ready on the inside. When we've prepared ourselves on a Sunday morning, when we've prayed, given our heart in a, way, in a, in a manner that is submissive, that is ready to hear his word, that is ready to fellowship with brothers and sisters. And this is something that Nathan talked about last week too, did he not? When he talked about getting up early, getting in a prayerful mood for the day, getting in the right position. That adornment is way more important than whether or not we're wearing this shirt or that shirt or this skirt or that shirt or this dress or that dress. When we have that, we're in the right mindset to be ready to serve God, to be ready to worship God. Look at the words that Paul uses here to describe the clothing. He doesn't use fancy. He doesn't use wonderful or best. He uses the word modest. Modest. Christian dress should be modest. And as we said from the outset, modesty, the definition changes over time, right? Whatever the world definition is, we follow it uh, somewhat so that we are not necessarily on the cutting edge because that would not be on the cutting edge of modesty, right? But we would be conservative and say, all right, this is what modest dress looks nowadays. We're going to follow that. We're not going to follow the hottest trend. We're going to stick to the modest trend, whatever it is. The other word he uses is sobriety. What does sobriety mean? Sobriety means self-control. Self-control. Not self-aggrandizement. It's the opposite, right? We control our own inner thought, our inner lust. We're making ourselves a quiet, submissive self ready to worship God on a Sunday morning. The idea being that our clothes are functional for worshiping God. Like I said, you show up if you were dressed like you were to the Oscar and wearing a tuxedo, right, with a you know, fancy tuxedo or a fancy ball gown or whatever, even though that'd be wonderful and, and it, would look, uh, it would look great and that'd be your best clothes and probably cost a million times more than whatever any of us here in this audience are wearing right now, that's not the outfit of a person who's ready for worship, not an outfit of a person that's ready for service. A lot of you guys here serve in church, right? When we serve God, we'll be ready for certain things, right? Imagine you are a teacher upstairs in Chinese school. And you're wearing this heavy $10,000 necklace. Or if you're a guy, you're wearing like the, the $10,000 wrapper gold chains and all these things like that, right? Is that going to make you an effective teacher of like Chinese school or Sunday school? Well, think about all your teachers in school when you went to school and your professors in college and all these things. Did any of them ever show up to your class wearing those things? Did they wear the $50,000 gold chain, the $10,000 diamond necklace? Did they wear like a ball gown or a tuxedo or all these things? No, it's not functional for them as a teacher. That would impair, in fact, their ability to teach correctly. That would draw so much attention to their address that they wouldn't be able to teach. Likewise, did your teacher ever show up to class wearing nothing but a tank top and shorts? Did your teacher show up, you know, with uh, jeans that are ripped halfway, or clothes that stunk, or clothes that are stained? Also, your teacher never did that, right? Your teacher dressed modestly, dressed like they were ready to teach, so that the attention wouldn't be about what do I look like, but the attention would be on what they're teaching, what they're saying. 
So likewise, when you guys are teaching Chinese school, you think the same thing, right? It's not about me and how can I look the greatest. It's not about being lazy and how can I look the worst, right? It's about how can I be ready to serve God? How am I dressing to serve God? There's so many things around church that require service, right? You're a van driver. You're serving God. Does that mean if you're a lady, you're driving for God? Does that, does that help you drive if you're wearing four-inch high heels? Probably not, right? Even though your four-inch high heels are your best clothes and they probably cost more than all my shoes combined, right? You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't be functional. You wouldn't be ready to serve God. Some of you guys know this. After church, some of us, despite however we dress, we're out there cleaning the floor, cleaning the bathroom, right? Are we ready for that? I wouldn't want to wear like a tuxedo to go scrub the bathroom. But believe it or not, I can wear this and I can go clean the bathroom and clean the floor and all that stuff. No big deal, right? And a lot of you guys are dressed like that and ready to go, right? It's not about, not about wearing the fanciest dress. It's not about having the fanciest outward appearance, but about readying our heart to the most inwardly. Because what did it say in 1 Samuel 16, 7? It says this, For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. God looks at our heart. The outward appearance is not the most important and biggest and big deal. Right? What does it say in 1 Peter 3, 4? Right? But let the hidden man of the heart, in which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet Spirit. Our spirit is the most important thing. When we have that right spirit, when we have that right heart, guess what? Your clothing will sort itself out. I have no doubt, and when I see people that have the heart of service, that love God, they dress right for church. There's no question about it. You don't need to worry about it. And, I'll say this is a stereotype, when you see people that we know in our hearts that aren't dressing in the most appropriate way for church, it'd be no surprise that those people are the ones that aren't serving, that aren't coming with a heart to love God as much, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a stereotype, but my observation is that it's true, right? What does it mean? What does it mean when we show up to self-aggrandize ourselves, whether it be to dress in our fanciest clothes or maybe you dress in, you know, for guys, they dress in like, what do they dress now? They want to wear their sports jersey, right? I'm gonna wear my uh, Warriors jersey to celebrate them losing the NBA Finals, right, or whatever. And you would say, Why? what's the point? The point is to draw attention to yourself, to say, I've got the Steph Curry jersey, right? Isn't this cool? Look at me. Not about, look at God, look about, look about worshiping, look, think about the Bible, think about all these things. It's thinking about ourselves. But no, our guide is our heart. When we have the right heart, it shows outwardly in our dress automatically. These are the principles. The idea is that we don't have a dress code. There's no dress code in the Bible. There's no bouncer at the door that you walk in here on Sunday morning that says, like, wait, you're okay, you're not okay, you got to go out. I mean, the people who do that actually are people like, like Muslims, right? You've been to the Muslim mosque. Like, you, know, you see what women have to wear in the Muslim mosque. Like, oh, if you don't wear this, you're in big trouble. You get kicked out. We don't do that here. We leave it up to you. It's up to you and each one of you guys to adorn yourselves properly. And what does that mean? 
It's not about the clothes you wear. It's not about let me measure your skirt. It's not about make sure you're wearing a tie. It's not about all those things because those things will come and go, right? People used to wear ties to work every day. Now, nowhere. There's no job where you wear ties, right? Everyone's business casual, right? It used to be that the skirt has to be like this. Now people wear skirts differently, whatever. That can all change. But what shouldn't change is our heart. That every Sunday we come here ready to worship, ready to serve, dressed like we're ready to meet our God, dressed like we're ready to serve our God. In short, we have this quote here. It says, our choices should reflect Christ's leadership in our lives and our desire to honor him. That's up for each one of you guys to judge in your heart. Am I honoring him? Am I honoring him in my life? Preparing for Sunday, getting in a prayerful spirit, ready to receive the word. And the dress and everything external will just simply follow. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for the message here of Timothy. We find that it's really not about, not about clothing, but about our heart. About how we prepare ourselves for church. How we get in the right mindset. How we pray. How we are submissive. How we are obedient. How we are serving. How we are ready to worship. And that will shine through in all of our life, whether it be clothing, attitude, spirit. We want to be adorned for you, God. Lord, help us with that and guide this congregation to continually honor you more and more. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.